What's going on, Spurs fans? SSPN guys back again. I'm Ethan Quintero. Above me or next to me, I can't don't exactly know, is Jude McLaren, <laughs> as always. And we're back again with another positional breakdown. I wasn't here for the last one. Jude handled point guards. That video is actually doing pretty well right now as far as views. Yeah, goes. I noticed that. That was crazy. I was like, dang, we haven't posted in a minute, but that, yeah. that did pretty well. So I'm glad that the people the people need it. They need, you know, the, there's not a lot of people that talk about this offseason Spurs stuff, especially in this kind of weird bubble that we're in. And not not like not talking about last year's bubble. When I mean bubble, it's just like this time period of it's before free agency. So mm-hmm. not all the dominoes that happen in free agency that lead to a lot of different roster moves have happened yet. So it is a lot of speculation, but it's also one of the more curious parts of the offseason. And and honestly, because of that, one of the more interesting, just because not all those dominoes have fell yet and there's still so much um, uncertainty going into it. I couldn't agree with you more, Jude. So let's get on into it. We're doing shooting guards today. Um, it's a little bit of a weird thing when you do positional breakdowns for the Spurs because we've talked about it. A lot of our guys play a position that they aren't necessarily like supposed to be playing or they get moved mm-hmm. around a lot. Yep. Like we've had Rudy playing the four for a while. Devin's a two. He's playing the three a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But for today, I think we discussed we were going to focus on Lonnie Walker the fourth and Derek White. And mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of Devin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So this episode, um, we're, we're going off like where these guys are most likely going to play le- next season. Um, but like you said, we'll talk a little bit about Devin Vassell because he'll probably see a little bit of time at two, probably ma- the majority of the time at three. Um, but these two guys, for sure, from what we've seen, are going to play the two the most. And that's Derek White and Lonnie Walker. Who do you want to start off with, Ethan? Let's go ahead and do Derek. Okay. Your favorite guy. Okay. Yes, yes. My favorite player on the Spurs. I think he's the best player on the Spurs. Um, and I think that once again, just like whenever he got COVID and he was coming off that 20, I think 26 or 25 point game, I believe it was 26 uh, against the Hornets where DeJounte had 25 as well. Um, he got into his rhythm again. He was averaging, I believe, around 21, 22, 5 and 5 over like the past week before he once again unfortunately got hurt um and that was just the story of Derek White this season unfortunately I really think that since we saw the bubble last year um and even the playoffs before that um he really broke out and he showed that you know in in types of games like last night like the Bucks and the Nets those are games that I really think I know this sounds crazy but like from what I have seen uh, of Derek White in big games in, in, you know, playoff situations, or obviously the bubble wasn't a playoff, but those eight games meant more than any of their games in the regular season, right? And then, of course, the playoff series. Those are the games that he lives for. Those are the games where he steps up and plays his best and, and, and makes the, the best plays. I really think that that's when he plays his best, and I think that that's a super valuable asset, and that's why I think that he's so valuable. I think he's invaluable. I'm going I'm to up you one. Invaluable. Because... <laughs> He does everything that um, doesn't show up on stat sheet. You know, he creates mm-hmm. havoc on the court for the other team. I love him because of his defensive prowess, mostly. Uh, his offensive game has grown tremendously, and I think we saw that in flashes, like you said, especially around right before he got injured again. Um, he, this this season was just an injury-plagued season for Derek, which was extremely unfortunate. And everybody, by yeah. the way. Yeah. It, it, was just, it was just an up-and-down season injury-wise, and then with COVID and all that jazz. Um but when he had an opportunity to play, he performed very, very well for our team. He improved his three-point shooting. 
He averaged 15 points a game this season, but that really isn't the story of the season for him. I think he probably would have averaged a lot more. Not above 20 necessarily, 18 or no, 19 yeah. maybe. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. And another thing I love about Derek White, when DeJounte or DeMar would step off the court and it was just him in there, he was able to you know, run the offense uh, through himself. He, he could pass very well. I know he's playing shooting guard. He's capable of playing point guard. We saw that in the Denver series. Yes, we did. And he could be a tremendous spark plug for the Spurs as well, which we also saw in the in the um, Denver series, like you said. And I think that the the ceiling for him is very high. We did we have a disagreement as far as he could be the number one option on like a championship team, but I think his ceiling could be like prime. And this might be this might be going a little far, but prime Manu for the Spurs. I think he plays similarly, maybe a little bit less um, attacking. It, it's but. it's in his own way, but I see what you're saying. No, that I think that's a really good. Um, well, here, first of all, are you finished. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my concluding. Okay, okay cool. Yes. Okay. So the thing, the, I think that's a really good, a really good comparison because even though obviously we know Manu played off the bench his entire career, like we know that Manu was a starting caliber player and he was a two guard, ironically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the charges like, like the, the chip tooth thing where he gets a tooth knocked out on his fifth charge of the game in like this mm-hmm. weird bubble season where the games matter more. Right. That, that is something that Manu would have done if he was coming up in the same time. So I can totally see that comparison. Obviously, there's differences in their games, like you said, a little bit less aggressive, um, which I think actually benefits Derek mm-hmm. because we saw that sometimes whenever Manu was too aggressive, that would create turnovers. So I think him being not being on that Manu level of aggressiveness helps him have less turnovers, which really just matches who he is as a player, a super efficient player. He's such a pop guy. You can see why they drafted him at 23 or however old he was and and the way that he's developed and the way that his personality even when you see it in interviews that's the one thing that I'll say about Derek that is similar um I'm gonna make this comparison and I don't mean on the floor this is totally just personality it's very similar to Timmy and just kind of um it's not once again not exactly the same I think that Derek's a little bit more I guess I mean, probably not happy to do interviews, but I've seen him do like some ESPN defensive breakdowns on YouTube, which like Timmy would have never even gone on that. You know what I mean? (laughs) But but like they're both a little, you know, a little awkward, a little, you know, not not too many words that you see. But, you know, you see their intensity on the floor. Um, And I think, you know, I, I will let me back up a little bit I love Derek to death but I'm with you there too I don't think that I'm ready to say that he's going to be I haven't seen anything to show me that he's going to be a first option on a championship team that's just my hope that he can get there Um, and that would be awesome if that could happen but is that really super realistic maybe not Um, but at the same time I do think that that he can be a part of a big three on a championship name team I don't think that that's um, out of the question for sure Um, so I think that really, once again, just the injury-plagued season for Derek White. Um, And I think you mentioned his shooting. Going back to the bubble, he was looking like Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard. That's how he was looking. Yes. And I don't – there were a lot of people who were shooting like crazy in the bubble. But the thing was with Derek, like, I don't think – it's. it wasn't like – yes, it kind of – I don't want to say that it disappeared because I feel like it didn't – necessarily disappear it just 
was a different season. They they had a like they knew what they had in Keldon. They had a different game plan. You know what I the, mean? The like rhythm it wasn't, wasn't the, there, in my opinion. Yes, they, they exactly. had found a rhythm, and then Derek came back, and it was like, how do we blend him now into this rhythm? And it took a while. And they found it. The thing was, before he even got hurt, it was like they were finding a rhythm. It was like they found their rhythm, mm-hmm. even with him and Dejounte. And then COVID hits, and then they get their rhythm again. And then he comes back. How are we fitting him in? And even from the beginning of the season, there were uh, you know kind of issues with that. And he had minor injuries at the beginning of the year yeah. too, so never really could get in rhythm. Um, but when he's been in rhythm with this team, I mean, as a three point shooter, uh, and and we saw it this year. And you notice he has the confidence. It was just, it took a while for shots to start falling. And to be honest with you, this whole season, they never really fell consistently for Derek. I mm-hmm. feel like he finally got rhythm before that that little Charlotte stretch and then COVID hits. And after that, it just it just wasn't there. But you can tell when Derek White shoots the ball after watching him in the bubble, I really don't think that that was a fluke. I think that that is really, like, I think that he's an elite shooter. And not just because you have Chip England there, but also just because of the fact that, I mean, if you just look at his shot, you know how some guys, when they shoot the ball, you know they have just like a natural, you know, beautiful, smooth shot. Mm -hmm. That's what Derek White has. And he shoots it with confidence, and that's why he kept shooting. And his percentage, the thing was, I don't even think his percentage was that bad. I don't know what it was. It doesn't, but once again, there, there are things that, I mean, you can be a 30, there are some dudes in the NBA who are 34% three-point shooters, yeah. but you know that they're elite. They just take a bunch. He was 35%. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. See, 35% this season for Derek White, like when you consider how he seemed so out of rhythm and it and it seemed like if he was in rhythm, a lot more of those shots would be falling, That for him to still be at 35%, that just shows like how good of a shooter he is. So, I mean... I think that he's and and that's a one that's another example of sometimes stats being a little bit misleading um but just at the same time this year while the shooting wasn't as perfect as you know you want it to go obviously not, nothing's ever perfect it was still he still showed this year the type of shooter that he can be with the shots that he was taking like Mm -hmm. no hesitation just catch it immediately pull up I think that that's the type of guy he can be um I really once again I just think that what happened in the bubble was not a fluke I think that's really his skill level I can't dispute that I agree with you I think he's going to have a breakout season again of similarly to what we saw in the bubble but slightly better next year Um, Mm -hmm. you want to move on to Lonnie Walker Yes, yes. So, and and just one more point on Derek that that shooting ability, like him being able to consistently be like a kind of a, a Damian Lillard pull up shooter type of player. I think that's really what, like you said, you know, takes him to the next level as a player. Mm-hmm. So it's what we're waiting anyways. on Dejounte to do. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker the fourth, a guy that causes me a lot of heartburn and a lot of joy occasionally. Um, I think the identity for Lonnie Walker, as far as I was concerned this year, was inconsistent. Um, you can disagree with me if you want to. No, he had, that's fast. He had flashes of, like, this guy is our sixth man. He's going to be unbelievably great. He could average 20. He's got such a high ceiling. To, is Lonnie even playing today? I haven't seen him score one time. Like, that that was his season in a nutshell. Um, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought he would take a little bit of a, a higher leap in his abilities and playing time i i don't know what it is it could just be his inexperience that's plaguing him to do this kind of stuff it could be pop's leash yeah that he's still maybe a 
fearful of? I don't know. Um, but, but what, what would your take on Lonnie Walker this season? Well, I think that one thing that we need to remember that I feel like a lot of us often forget because we remember him scoring 26 against the James Harden Houston Rockets and winning the game Mm -hmm. on the defensive and offensive side of the ball in the fourth quarter. I think all of us remember that game and it sticks in our head. Lonnie Walker is 21 years old. Yeah, he's young. Like, like he is. Yeah, I think he may be 22 now, but still, you know, that super, super young. Like, you've got to remember that whenever you're thinking about this, because like you said, like I 100% agree with you. It seems like this year is a disappointment for Lonnie. And I feel like because of that, a lot of Spurs fans or just people who watch the Spurs, people around the NBA, whoever are like, okay, is Lonnie Walker, you know, a bust or, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe not even a bust, but just like, is he, is he really all that? Or is he just a athletic role player that, you know, can go off every once in a while. You know what I mean? And I really don't think that that's the end of Lonnie Walker. I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that that's the story. Um, I'm not trying to look at this with rose-colored glasses. I'm just trying to, okay, let me take my fandom out of it and being disappointed with how this season went out of it and remember that he's still so young. Um, And and, and I feel like because the Spurs play such team basketball, um, and even though this year... I don't know. I don't know if this year was really the best representation of team basketball. I'm not trying to say that, but because of their play style, I feel like in another system with less like guards too, like prominent guards, Lonnie Walker would have probably gotten rhythm a lot faster and it would have probably been easier for him to get in rhythm, which would have allowed him to score more. Um, So I just don't think that the way that this season went is a representation of his talent level. Um, but then again, talent isn't everything. You know, you mm-hmm. need the fundamentals, you need the little things. And I feel like with Lonnie Walker, unfortunately, those are really his downfalls. It's just holding on to the basketball when he's making a super athletic run to the rim, you know, he's in, he's, and he's in midair. Sometimes he'll just go up with it on, you know, layup attempts that are almost from like the free throw line, but then the ball goes off his knee, goes out of bounds, and it's a turnover. And you just see the look on his face, you see the look on Pop's face, and we all have that same look on our faces if you're a Spurs fan, mm-hmm. right? So, which is eerily similar to Manu. That is, is one thing. And, and and Pop actually compared him to to Manu. So, I really think that that is look. When I say that you want Lonnie Walker to be Manu Ginobili, I'm not saying like you want him to be a Hall of Famer. I feel like that's asking too much. I know that he's got an elite talent level, but like asking anybody to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, is just. That's just, you know, I'm not going to ask him to be Manu Ginobili. I just can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. But what I can ask him to do is to be our sixth man who provides a spark plug, plays hard, gives a bunch of effort, um, and scores some points for us. And that is, is that not the same description as Manu Ginobili? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so that, that is what I think Lonnie can be. It's just, we're just waiting for him to do it. And I think it's just so tough when like you see the emergence of Devin Vassell even like Derek taking, you know, steps up, right? And 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 DeJounte as well. Um I think it's just tough in that crowded backcourt for him to really emerge, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's gonna be really interesting with Lonnie Walker. I'm kind of moving into some other stuff right now, but but just with the fact that, you know, we only have so much money to give out. And I feel like a couple years ago we thought Lonnie Walker was a 
you know, going to be a part of this team for a long time, maybe a potential all-star player. I mean, freaking Jay Williams or not Jay Williams. Um, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He works for ESPN. He has a hairline. Everybody makes fun of him. Jalen Rose. Yeah. Yes. Jalen Rose compared him to freaking Dwayne Wade, which is probably a little bit crazy on draft night, but still that is an example of the type of like hype that Lonnie had coming out of the draft. He kind of fell a little bit too, just like Keldon and all these other guys. Right. So I think we're just really waiting similar to Derek white. We're waiting for him to just get in rhythm. Um, and use all of the talents he has um, to to the most maximized value, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Sorry if my dog's barking right now. I don't know if you can hear it. He's <laughs> yeah, freaking okay. out in the other room. Um, but what I was going to say for Lonnie Walker is I don't want people thinking that I was just completely disappointed with him. He yeah. did improve from last season to this season, and he has consistently improved, and I think he's a, a hard worker and all that. We watch his Instagram stories and all that stuff. He, he grinds during the offseason. But another thing I didn't think about until right now, um, because he's coming off the bench, and this year he had Rudy and Patty, there could have been that... Who were isolation players. Mm-hmm, it, it could have been that their games don't fit, and he was deferring to the vets a little bit too more, too much than he should have. I don't know if I said that correct. Too, uh, too no, often. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, in my opinion, before we all get up in arms, I know we all to discuss Spurs fans. Like, if you had to trade someone from the young core, who would it be? Most people have said Lonnie Walker, um, and that's fair. But I, would, I think I'd roll with that, yeah, too, I'll, unfortunately. Probably me as well. But I would – let's give him next season to prove himself again. And if next year it's the same or worse, then, then we have our answer. But I think if he's the main guy, like you were talking about, like the Manu role, where it's pretty much going through him, other than Trey Jones, because I think we are talking about Trey Jones, but I think him playing yes. alongside Trey Jones will actually help him because Trey Jones is not looking to score. Trey Jones is looking to get his other weapons involved, and that's where Lonnie comes in. Um, so I think next year he has an opportunity to be, uh, I want to say 15 points a game. Yeah, maybe, I agree. Maybe he more. has... if. If they establishment him and be like, okay, you've been in the league for this long, you had your vets, you're our sixth man, mm-hmm. you're our, you know, you're our go-to scorer off the bench, right? And all we need, all we need is fifteen. Just yeah. get us fifteen. Just go get yours, Lonnie. Like, and and I think a lot of the t- those little mistakes, like him turning the ball over, like they're kind of fundamental things. Mm-hmm. You know, him getting too excited, yeah. basically. You know what I mean? And that is such a young player thing. Like, that is something that eventually players grow out of. This is a common thing that, I mean, maybe some guys never do, but most players, like, in Lonnie Walker's mold, after, a, and, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Y'all can tell me in the comments if I just don't know what I'm talking about and I'm completely wrong. But, like, I think that a player on his trajectory with just a certain amount of, like, reps, like, that is just, those things are going to stop happening, like, with the, as as the more experience you gain. So, and I think with him getting the ball more this year, ideally, unless, you know, they do something crazy and we just have a bunch of veterans on the bench again. But, you know, mm-hmm. once again, this is all not barring that. Um, if he is if he is going to be our backup, too, I really think that that's going to help him out. I think that he'll still make mistakes, but I think that it's reasonable to believe um, that he should really make that jump this year. Because I feel like a lot of Spurs fans, like you said, you know, we don't want to hop off the train right now. Um 
you know, with the way that last year went, I think we can give him a little bit of a mulligan. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think that the Patty Rudy point that you made was just fantastic because those are ISO guys. And really, Lonnie's game is a lot of isolation. Like, mm-hmm. he has become a better spot up shooter. You talked about improvements. That's something that he, he got a lot better at, which is huge because he really wasn't that type of guy coming out of college. Um, now we just need to see him consistently with the ball in his hands. Can he consistently make plays? Because that's what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him. Yeah. I agree, Jude. Mike, do you have any final points? Because that's pretty much all no, I had man. to say about Jerry. And I think that's perfect on our time here, too. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up in about 20 minutes. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for watching our shooting guard positional breakdown here on SSPN. Uh, make sure you uh, get in tune with our podcasts on all podcast platforms. It's Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all that jazz. It's on Google everywhere, like whatever you use. So. And check out our other videos here as well on our YouTube channel. Like and subscribe, all that stuff. Comment if you want to see something else from us or if you have any disagreements. We always love to talk to you guys in the comment section. Uh, and if you don't have any other questions or concerns, Jude, I'm Ethan Quintero. That's Jude McLaren. And we will catch you guys with our next positional breakdown, Small Forwards. Thank you guys for watching. Go Spurs, go.